Amen. God bless you. Please be seated, Dr. Joe. Thank you, Terry, choir, soloist, and of course, our praise band instrumentalist. Always blessed. Come and use your gifts as we have a group here to use their gifts in a little bit at the end of our service. And if you have to cut out, you need to, you can, but you'll miss some incredible, wonderful a cappella singing, praise music to God. So hang out and have a great time. I got to hear them the first service. And we'll get to hear them again. I get to hear them twice, right? It's a blessing. It's like hearing me twice, except it's good when they do it. (laughs) God bless you. Good to have all of you here this morning. Thank you for being here, guests, members. We're looking at the message today. There's a message inside of a mess. And basically, uh, some folks have asked, well, where does that come from? Where is it going? We're all a mess. God's making less of a mess out of us, isn't he? But there's sometimes we can have self-induced mess that we can bring into our lives. Now, now of course, that never happens in relationships where we want to fix ourselves with some other person, right? We have them there. We have them in money. It never happens with financial issues where we put ourselves in a mess. We rent our prosperity. It never happens with power struggles or birth order. But the bottom line is I'm being somewhat facetious because messes are all around us. And if we don't have one before us, we're very creative people. We can make one, can't we? We can make one. And certainly Bubba knew how to make a mess. And Bubba Jr. learned from Bubba Sr. It seemed like they were going to take a flight to go visit some family out of town. And Bubba Sr. thought, I'm going to take Bubba Jr. with me and save some money. They go up to the ticket counter. And the ticket agent picks up the ticket, and he keeps looking back and forth at Bubba Jr. and at Bubba Sr. And you see, the rate for the half-price ticket is 50% off. Bubba Jr. is about five years old now. And so they bought these online. And finally, that ticket agent looks at Bubba Jr. and says, little boy... Do you know what happens to little boys that lie? And Bubba Jr., just like his dad, said, Yep, they get half-price tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Pathetic, but good, right? It works. It's because we get ourselves in these little messes, and sometimes we can justify it. It's good stewardship, some may be saying. Bubba was smart, good stewardship. No, it's not. It's a lie. You don't try and do something that's right by backing it with the wrong way. Today's message has to do with, don't forget your testimony, God saved Moses for service. I've got up here a book. Some of you like different study books, and I've got some in my office, of course. This is particularly interesting, and I've gone through it. There's some people I don't remember reading about in this book. It's called The Complete Who's Who in the Bible. And every name that is in the Bible of someone that, even if it says, mentioned, in, if it just mentions a name, it'll say where it is and where the passage is. So if you're trying to remember where something or someone is, it's right in there. Who's who in the Bible? And it tells the whole story. That's one of the wonderful things about the Bible, isn't it? It tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It tells about a guy that goes with a rock, a stone, a young boy where no one else would go, and slays a giant. Tells about that same person going later and having one of his soldiers slain because of an act of adultery. 
It's amazing, isn't it? It tells the story of humanity. And listen, even though this is the complete canon of the Word of God, God has a who's who also. It's God keeping track of us. Today, there's a message inside of a mess. Don't forget your testimony. Let's look at this first dynamic here. I'll take care of this my way. Have you ever seen the folly of doing things our own way when we go against God's way? Now, in a secularized way, just many times, having been uh, working in remodeling years ago and would do that oftentimes after I would get off to work on remodeling, I'd get a call for someone. They'd say, we have a, several doors we'd like you to hang. And I would quote, a, how much would that be? It's going to be right about this. I would go and see it, see the job, and I may have told them $300, right? But when I get there, I said, that's $550. But you said it'd be about 300 I said, yes, but someone was trying to hang these, and they messed it up. And all of a sudden, I'd see a wife looking like that at a husband. I told you not to try that. Don't try this at home, right? Because there's sometimes we can delve into things we shouldn't delve into. And the Word of God tells us the same thing about trying to do something our way. When we pick things up our way, we mess them up. When you look at the very start of our parents in the garden, they try to do things their way. Look through the Word of God and see the different instances where they try to do things and figure it out their way. Made sense to me. I'll do it this way. I'll bring God part of that offering. It'll be all right. I'll go before the church and lie about it. Mink, Ananias, and Sapphira. You can look through the Word of God and find instances where people just told, just, it's just a little lie. Just a little one. Isn't that how people justify it? Just a little money, just a little thing, just a little glance, and it turns out to be a gigantic mess. We look here in the book of Exodus and we find someone that was spared. His very name means drawn out of the water. He was spared and God saved him for service. It's miraculous. His beginning's miraculous. The boys who were born, the babies born in Egypt to the Hebrews would be thrown in the Nile River. So some crazy things happened. The Bible doesn't tell us how. It says that somehow Moses' mother, after three months, knew she could keep him there no longer doesn't tell us how or why, other than the fact that probably Egyptians are checking the different tents, the different residences, to see if there's any child there, asking people. But you know, that's all I can do. And my son's going to be, I'm going to have to go and watch as I'm crying as we're going with our family and watch him get thrown into the river. Can you even imagine? But God saves him out of that, what we call a ridiculous thing. But listen, She did a little thing. She put him in a basket covered with pitch, placed him in the reeds, did a little thing. She did what she could to be a blessing. She did as little as she couldn't do any more, just did something that looked like a little and probably was going to fail. What good is that going to do? It'll probably fail. It'll get pulled out of the weeds through the current, and he'll die anyway. He'll starve to death. Or some Egyptian will see him, rip him out of that little basket, and throw him in the river. But lo and behold, give a little thing to God. He'll make a big thing out of it. Amen. Give a little thing to God. So don't use an excuse what, what can happen with this. Ask it in the right sense. What can happen with this little thing? 
I don't care if it's two mites or putting your child in a basket. So he's been saved. It's crazy. No one would have bought the stock that said this. Buy stock in baby Moses. He's going to go live in Pharaoh's Paris, a palace. He's a little, little boy. He's going to grow up there. Would you buy that stock? Absolutely not. Many would have bought that stock that said he's going to be thrown in the river. He's going to die. But lo and behold, he is raised in Pharaoh's palace. Wasn't in Paris, by the way. I'll take care of this my way. Exodus 2, 11 and 12. By the way, welcome on our simulcast today. All those listening in different states and around the world, blessed to have you joining us today. There's a message inside of a mess. Exodus 2, 11 and 12. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. How about that? Makes a little sand grave, puts them in there, covers it over. Isn't it just like people? Adam and Eve made fig leaves. He takes his problem, his sin, and buries it in the sand, kind of like animals do after they make a mess in your little litter box or something, right? Cover them on over. What does the Word of God say about the self-induced mess? It says in Acts 7.23, Moses wasn't just grown up a little bit. Tells us his age. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. So he's 40 now. He's no doubt grown up. He's heard about his upbringing, about what happened. The story can't be concealed. He's out there. He's part of that. He's going out to see his people. And he is... Well, he's a full-grown man. Many times when I would speak to parents at some of the conferences I was a part of over the years when I was in Texas, and some of them would be parents of adolescents. We have some of those in those years, those mystical years of 13 to 19 right now, right? Adolescent years, not so much the 19, you guys. Some of you out on your own, you're getting it done. But I would look at those, that group of adults out there, and I'd say, look at me in my face. It's not your fault, right? (laughs) It's not your fault. During some of those years, I don't know, our brain gets washed over with all these kinds of things in it. And I know I went haywire and many have. But you can raise your child even in Pharaoh's palace. You can raise him with the awareness of where he came from. And what does he do? He glances this way and that and seeing no one. Many times we think our sin is done in private, right? Seeing no one. We live in a day and time where people can look at little handheld devices and looking around or laptops and seeing no one. We're send little, here, I'll date myself. I'm uh, two years behind the time. Snapchat, right? It'll disappear in just a few seconds. But screenshot and you have it there forever, Right? No one will see this. I'll be okay. Glancing this way and that way and seeing no one, he decides he's not just going to punch that guy. He's not going to correct him and say, do you know I'm in Pharaoh's Paris? My mom is Pharaoh's daughter. He goes and decides he's going to kill him. And he does. He murders someone. Thought no one saw him, but you know what? Ladies and gentlemen, watch your testimony. Watch your testimony. God is always looking. 
But watch your testimony. Any seeds planted in the ground, even if you think no one's looking, will come up. The seeds of destruction are in every sin. It can look really small. We say, I just a little bit, I just, that way I'll do that or whatever it is. It's not little. Sin is big. It'll take us further than we ever wanted to go. It'll cost us more than we ever thought it would. And so here he is. Don't forget, you're saved for service. And so we have someone that did it their own way. There's a song, last hour more people knew about it, but maybe I'm just interested in this service with the demographics a little bit different. How many have ever heard of the song, I Did It My Way? Let me just see your hands. Most everybody. Some of you are looking at it and say, no, that's got to be old, at least 20 years old. Right? Well, actually, it's the 50th anniversary of that song. It was popularized in 1969. Wow. And that song was written by a man by the name of Paul Anka, also a singer and songwriter. And it was really popularized by a man by the name of Frank Sinatra. One of my relatives, no. (laughs) Frank Sinatra sang it, and to this very day, 50 years ago in the United Kingdom, it stayed on the top 40 chart, and it's the record to this very day, for 75 consecutive weeks. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's still a half a century later, still the record. But what fascinated me about that was the fact it had that much gravitas in the minds of people that we celebrate, I did it my way. And then it says arrogantly in the song, one of the lines, regrets, I have a few, but too few to remember. Liar, you are a liar. (laughs) If you've lived any amount of time, you probably have more than just a few regrets. We're humans. We're a mess. That's why the message is there is a message inside of a mess. God takes messes and helps clean them up and make them less of a mess. Amen? So we're less of a mess. I did it my way. Well, I've said many times, show me someone that says they're a self-made person, and I'll show you the horrors of amateur work. You need to be a God-made person. And Moses is in that process. It says in Numbers 13, some of the issues that came back to him as he now has been able to lead Israel out of the land. It says in Numbers 32, 20 through 23, Then Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will arm yourself before the Lord for battle, and if, you, and if all of you will go armed over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven his enemies out before him, then, then, when the land is subdued before the Lord, you may return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel. And here's where this saying comes from today that many people don't know. And this land will be your possession before the Lord, but if you fail to do this, but if you fail to do this, you'll be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. So what was the deal? Very quickly, we have Reuben, tribe of Reuben and Gad. They're on the part of of the uh, Jordan River where they've got good fertile land, great for crops, great for cattle. They're doing pretty well. You know what happened when they were living in this kind of, in that time, the lap of luxury? They didn't want to go fight and take the land for the rest of the tribes. They already had it made. I don't need to go out. 
I've been saved from the battle. No, we are saved for the battle. That's the difference. So they make a deal with Moses and say, look, we'll leave our families here, our wives and kids, even though everyone else is going in with them. We'll build these pens for all of our cattle and our sheep and all, and we'll go over and fight and strike up this deal. God said, you do that. If you fail to do what you're supposed to do, your sin's going to find you out. Read the history of Israel through here and of Gad and Reuben. You see the incredible journey of what human beings do that do it their own way. Trying to make logic out of their own way of life. And sometimes it just doesn't make any logical sense. It makes spiritual sense. Because in particular today, but it's always been living by feelings rather than fact. Being steered by the fact of the Word of God rather than feelings. Well, I felt like, and this bird did it to me, and I wanted it. Moses got there. Moses was there. He saw what happened. And the Bible says, be angry and don't sin. Right? Anger can be turned into a great emotion used in the right way to be redemptive. But he uses it in an unredemptive manner and murders someone. Unbelievable. But it happens. So, what's the next thing? Bring it on up. The Word of God tells us that we don't study in seminary or life journey groups or discipleship groups or in any class of vacation Bible school so we can just accumulate knowledge. Knowledge accumulation is factually just one of the easiest things a person can do. You can look at it. In fact, today you can even don't have to even look at it. You can just look it on up, right? On a, some kind of techno device. But here's what we're told in 1 Corinthians 10, 5 and 6. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples, as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. When we read in the Word of God, we're to read it as an example. It's supposed to speak truth into my life and say, you know, that lives in me. Do you realize jealousy, hurt, pain, power, all kinds of rationalization live inside of human DNA. DNA, it's the momentum of our flesh. We are new creatures in Christ. We have that blessing from Him, but we also have the momentum of the flesh. It says there to be examples and keep us learning from the past. Sometimes we look at it only to get the knowledge of it. Knowledge without application doesn't bring you very much, does it? You can study about music and acapella. You can watch groups on television until you get out there. I said last hour, you practice more than 20, you rehearse more than 20 minutes a week, right? Right? And if, when you hear them, you'll know why they do. They, it's wonderful. But you have to be there and make some investment in it. There has to be an investment in right and right decisions. So we're to learn, not just here. We're to learn from all of that. And the fact is that God has said, here's what you're supposed to learn. Look at it and see. Look what happened. And by the way, they were scattered all throughout the desert, as it says. Their bodies scattered over the desert. All those that wouldn't go into the land because logically they said, we can't take this land Someone figured out conservatively with the amount of people that came out of Egypt that there would be a funeral for all the disobedient people that failed to follow God by thinking their own way out of it. There was a funeral every 20 minutes 
of every day of the week, 24-7 for 40 years. That's how many people died. If you were to space them all out, to have that amount of people die over that period of time, a funeral every 20 minutes, imagine being the pastor of that church, right? And Cindy, but no, who wasn't... Bottom line is, when we do it our own way, we fail. Moses would say for service, don't forget your testimony. All unexposed sin will one day be exposed. Romans 2.16, this will take place in the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. The word secrets there is an interesting word in the Greek language. It has to, be, it has to do with being concealed. There's a lot of things that are concealed in this room and around the world right now. But Jesus, for believers at the judgment seat of Christ, they'll be revealed. For, believe, for unbelievers, will be at the great white throne judgment. Nothing that has been done is concealed. No one gets away with something. People say, how'd they get away with that? And sometimes we can know someone did something. We say, how did they get away with that? No one gets away with anything because there's a just and holy God. But many times, it doesn't have to wait for eternity, many times it happens right here, doesn't it? You raise my hand. It does. What happened when I tried to do the right thing the wrong way? What happened when I tried to do the right thing the wrong way? So Moses sees it. He sees what's happening. I'm going to try and do the right thing, but he does it the wrong way. Exodus 2, 13 and 14. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. So he murders this Egyptian, gives him a sand burial. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. Yes, uh, the one in the wrong. Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you kill the Egyptian? Then Moses, say the word, was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Duh. Wasn't too slow to speak there, was he? Remember he tried to give God excuses? What, I, what I've done must have become known. Well, yeah, they just told you it was, and it's only the next day. The next day. Sometimes the seeds of sin grow up very quickly. In this case, it did. Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Hypocrite. Why are you hitting someone? I'm allowed to murder. I'm from the palace. I make an exception for myself. Are you thinking of killing me as you kill the Egyptian? Very interesting that this Hebrew who is hitting his fellow Hebrew says to Moses, you don't have any right to talk about anything. That's why today's message has to do with our testimony. We're saved to have a testimony. We're saved for service. Moses would save for service, but he sure took a detour, didn't he? Do you feel like you're on a detour right now? Have you taken that absentee ballot away from God's service, away from your witness, away from your devotion, away from a discipleship group, and just kind of gotten away? Because you see, in church, we can kind of cover it up easy with the barrenness of business. We can get involved in other things, but miss that personal relationship of walking every day with Jesus, saying, Jesus, what do you have for me today? God, I don't want to replace my daily service in my class, in my workplace, in my neighborhood with something I do inside the walls of the church, as good as that is, and we need it. But God wants us to do all of it, not part of it. And so Moses, what happened when I tried to do the right thing the wrong way? What happened is we mess it up. 
We justify it in our own mind and heart. And God's not going to act. I'll act. Maybe God's going to use me to bring this about. And maybe trying to free his people the wrong way caused him a whole lot of trouble. Not maybe, it did. God could have used him doing it the right way, and eventually he does. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a 40-year period. He doesn't go to where he's going to go for a short period of time on a vacation. The next day, it happened that fast, and what I did must have become known. By the way, fear follows folly. Moses was afraid. There have been many that have been afraid to find some results because of an inappropriate relationship, because of an audit, because of something happening in an office. I was afraid to be discovered on my phone, on my laptop, in my life through someone else. That's what happens with sin. It always costs us more. Be sure your sin will find you out sooner or later. Didn't take long for Moses. It was the next day. He's 40. What is the cost of sin? Sin separates. That's the cost of sin. It separates. And I can say to you over the course of decades of ministry, I've watched families, friends, and churches separate and divide because of sin. So I don't want to do it their way. Figuring out their way. I'll lead this group. This church isn't doing everything I want to do. I'll lead another group this way and to see division. I'll do it my way. It doesn't work that way. May have been on a chart for 75 weeks in the UK, but God wants us to do it His way and no other way. Well, when we do things our way, we mess it up. I want you to see what it says regarding the cost of sin. There's a, it says in 2.15 A and B, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. You killed one of my guys, I'm going to kill you. Must have really aggravated him, don't you think? You what? You went and killed one of our soldiers, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in that great vacation place called Midian. Doesn't say that, but Midian. Midian is kind of like if you've ever driven across west into West Texas. I've asked myself the question, what happened? This is forgotten land. And I've done it even in New Mexico also. How many have ever made those drives through there? They talk about the earth being overpopulated, but I'm sorry. <laughs> there's, but there's just, I thought, well, I know why there's no population here. It's the land of perfect nothingness. It's just, and I literally was driving one day and said, God, I know you don't create junk. So I must be missing something. It must, it's not you, it's me, right? And out of that, God gave me a redemptive thought in the midst of all that. It was the expanse and the beautifulness of just having that sky against all of that. That gave me some redemption. Yeah, God could just spare that land and make it a beautiful, full sky, Right? And he did. But it tells us that he goes to live in Midian. Bring up the map. You want to see where this thing is right? It's right next to Paris. That's why I messed up before. (laughs) Got that map right there? Thank you. (laughs) I have a maker. That was not it. It's coming up. They've got it back there. They'll get it. There we go. Moses moves to Midian. 
It sounds like a little soap opera, doesn't it? But it's way more than that. You can see here's where Moses is right over here. And he takes this little journey. See how close that is? It's over 250 miles. At least. So he gets, gets on the train or gets his bubble plane ticket and flies there, right? He has to walk this whole way. He has to figure out, where can I go so I can escape the arm reach of Pharaoh? And he has to go all the way over this place, all the way over here. And it's not a great place to go. Sin separates him from his friends, from his family, from his geographical location. And when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. And Moses runs away. Ed, put that screen back up. Thank you. He flees and he goes to Midian. Some people, no doubt, in this room right now or in Midian right now, you've fled to a place. You're in the land of wilderness. You're in the land having run from something, and you're in a spiritual wilderness because my prayers just go up and hit the ceiling. I don't feel like they're going any further than that. And the fact is, I don't even care. See, part of the fallacy of sin is that we can control it, but eventually it starts to control us, doesn't it? I'll do it my way, and when I want to get out, I'll get out. I said that about alcohol years ago as a junior high student. Just a little. Isn't that the human lie? Just a little. And before you know it, I had to look in the boys' room at my high school and look at myself with some other buddies drinking 9 o'clock in the morning in there, talking about plans to go out to lunch in the parking lot for more of that junk. And I looked at myself and said, you're addicted. Tenth grade. Pathetic, isn't it? Sin will take us further than we ever wanted to go. And the thing is, so will God. God took Moses and had great plans for him. Saved him out of the water, but he had that detour. The great news about today is if you're in a detour right now, you can get out of it. Who's who in the Bible tells about the truth about people? The story. It's not going to be rewritten. It's what actually happened. But you know, God's got a who's who on my life and on your life, doesn't he? He's got a who's who on us. Who am I? What am I about? What am I allowing God to do in my life even today? As maybe my spiritual back is bowed to say, I'm not going to stop doing that. My feelings were hurt. I've already done it. I'm going to keep on doing it or I'll be the exception. Friend, no one has a better plan for you than God Almighty. As pastors come forward right now, let me submit to you today that God wants you to get out of a detour if you're in one and back to the place where he can use your testimony. If you feel like you've blown it, the great news is all through the Bible is filled with people who went on detours in their life and God brought them back. He brought them back, but it starts with repentance and ownership. It starts with transparency. It starts saying, God, yes, I've got to deal with that today. I haven't had sins of commission, but sins of omission. Because like Gad and Reuben, I got lazy in the land of luxury. I go to places surrounded by other believers, but I'm not a witness in my class or my workplace or my neighborhood or when I'm out around people. Because there I act like a closet atheist. God says, get out of that shell. God says, if you justified not giving of your resources to me, what have you used? Next year, next year, next year, when are you going to stop lying to yourself? 
and say, God, I want to be used that way also. I want to use my time, my resources. What stopped you from being part of a discipleship group? I don't have time. Wait till your children get older. Then you'll have time. Wink, wink. Then it's grandchildren. Then it's retirement. Then it's Forbes and Dick or Haynes Lineberry. Then you have time. The time is now because you're hearing it now. The time is right now. If there's a sin in your life right now, if you're doing it your way, today's the day to come and pray alone at this altar or pray with one of these pastors and deacons and say, I just want to deal with it. I want to get it done. If you don't care to share it with someone, pray alone up here. But don't wait. Make it your altar. Make it your place of consecration and say, God, I'm getting out of Midian. I'm getting out of the wilderness and getting back with you. You have the best plan. I'm not taking myself out of service anymore. I have been saved for service. Next, if you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to come today as a candidate for membership. You can simply come forward and ask us to stand, meet with one of us. We'll get some information. You must be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I mean. You must believe that this system can't save you, a pastor can't save you, a church can't save you. There's only one people that, one person that can. It's Jesus Christ. He took the sins of the world upon himself because he loved us and he's merciful. He's also just. He satisfied his mercy and love because he died in our place. He satisfied his justice because the wages of sin is death. And he paid my death and your death on the cross. He bled and died. He rose from the tomb three days later and offers eternal life as a gift. God can't be bought. He paid our way to heaven. So I serve Jesus along with other believers, not to get into heaven, but because he's already paid our way in. I serve him because my heart tells me that he is the Lord of heaven and earth and he deserves my followership. I deserve to give him, he deserves me to give him everything. Do I fail? Yes. Christians aren't perfect. They're forgiven and they're on a journey to becoming more like Jesus. We have messes along the way, but we can confess it just like we do today and model that. So I'm asking you to stand wherever you are today. Don't wait. Respond as God has spoken truth to your heart. Please stand. Terry's here to lead us. Don't wait. I have a meeting.